0: Good morning, everyone, and we welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. Thank you all for joining us. We're recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. Um, our subject today is soul and body. Before we get into the prayer, yesterday uh, we had our Bible study at the North Star Cottage. And, and what happened, Jeremy, the minutes before...
1: Yeah,
2: we had the we had the live stream going and then 2 minutes before the internet went down and uh, then it came back but just like a tiny bit and then once we were done with the Bible study it was back completely.
0: <laughs> now we have fios we never it was a beautiful day there was no reason for that. So I wanted to thank you all for working and praying and Carol told me something lovely. Carol. Yeah, there was a little bit of um not confusion, but a little uh, disturbance on the on the phone with people,
3: and uh, and uh, Florence said, "Do you, don't you trust?"
0: And I thought that was just so perfect. <laughs> that was the perfect settlement mm-hmm. for it, and everything settled down. And the um, we got to hear everything, and and everything was fine after that. But I thought that was just the perfect response. Thank you. Don't you trust? <laughs> thank you, and thank you, Florence. It's lovely. Thank you yes all right for our morning prayer
4: Uh, uh, this morning it comes to read from philemon be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known unto god and the peace of god which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through christ jesus and received, and heard, and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you unto God, and our Father be glory forever and ever.
0: Amen. Beautiful. Yes, Mm -hmm. thank you, that was just beautiful.
5: Uh All right, our watching point. Watch number 417. Watch that you understand the reason for being absent from the body and present with the Lord. If a gangster wanted to get a bomb into the house of a man, he might place it in the hands of the latter's child. Then he would frighten the child and it would run into the house with the bomb. When mortal mind gets hold of a mental picture that frightens it, it immediately runs with it into the body. If, when it was thus frightened, it should run up and mingle with God, it would lose its fear and no harm would ensue. Mortal mind and mortal body are like a match and sandpaper. When our thought goes up to God and out to humanity, instead of into the body, we do not become anxious about symptoms because we are doing God's work. And so there is no match of disease ignited In Science and Health, we read, We should forget our bodies in remembering good and the human race. We render mortal mind harmless when we keep it busy with God's business, so that it has no time to trespass on the forbidden premises called the body. As these are kept apart, the former cannot make trouble for the latter, even though in definition they are one. End quote
0: good one any comments on that
2: well the, the part where it says when it was thus frightened it should run up and mingle with god and <laughs> it would lose its fear it reminded me of, you know before coming here i used to watch the news and just would be like too frightening and too big for me. And then coming here and learning to watch, I'd be able to take that stuff that (laughs) seemed that way Mm -hmm. and then be able to put it in its right place and then get a sense of peace about it. very grateful for that.
3: Thank you. Yeah, I've had a shift this week myself. And, um the fact that when I'm more interested in serving God and it just takes it just takes the thought off of body. When when I'm more interested in how I'm serving him, what am I thinking about um his man and his universe. And I've just noticed this week that it just um it's just freed me from any thought about the body when I'm busy Working a camp. Um, it's been a wonderful shift. I also, there's a, also a statement in Fidelity um, where Mrs. Betty says, too often we cannot turn from disease in the body to find disease in moral mind and its cure in working for God. And, and that in the watch has just helped me so much this week.
0: Yes, that was a game changer for me when Mrs. Evans gave that to me many years ago. I think I think when you do that, when you don't take it to the body, but you just get busy working for God, it, it you demagnetize it, it, it. It's a mesmerism that's trying to take you over. And once mm-hmm. you start thinking about your body um, and all of that, you become magnetized, mesmerized by the whole thing. But if you don't, And as the watching point says, let it mingle with God, work for God. You demagnetize yourself and you demesmerize yourself from the problem because that's all it ever is. I don't care how aggressive it is. And if you have something, you've been listening to that voice and taking it in. And uh, you didn't catch it when it came as a suggestion. So now it seems to come as a physical ailment. It's all one and the same. It's not the truth. Now it all—it seems more real, but it's not. And that I've told you that watching Point Carpenter gives us that anything physical is a red flag, telling you you've been malpracticing on yourself and to stop. Yeah. <laughs>
6: <laughs> well, and I think that's the key: is is when you, you know, when you feel something, whether it's a mental agitation or a so-called physical agitation when you feel something like that recognize it as a mesmerism Mm -hmm. as a false suggestion and then take it to god and and when you take it to god what you're doing is you are you are putting the truth into your consciousness and when you put the truth into your consciousness you can't be mesmerized i mean professional hypnotists understand this they can't hypnotize someone who won't allow their thought to be mesmerized they can't hypnotize someone who insists on keeping the truth in their consciousness Uh, you know uh, in the military they're taught that if they ever get caught and put in prison Not to allow themselves to be hypnotized, because you know, because the enemy will often try to hypnotize people to get them to divulge secrets if they can't. But they 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 teach the military to you know the use repeat the multiplication tables or repeat something that you know is true, and keep that in your thought. And we know the highest truth, of course is to declare your oneness with god and be obedient to his commands and when you do that you the mesmerism drops away
4: I got, um, Go ahead. yeah a, a simple thought that came this morning it was like how can trouble be where trouble cannot be <laughs> It just makes me okay. And, and, And there's just been so much this week, but anyway, God is supreme. And it's like, in those moments of crisis, when what we are required to prove God, you know, insist on His supremacy and your inseparability while the storm rages. And I feel that, you know, the more this identity embodiment of right ideas that's all i can be i can only be what god is and i insist on that well it will have no place it has no place i don't care how long how much it has no place and it will vanish into its native nothingness
6: very and, good thank you Florence. Thanks. that's you. true
7: and i uh, at the end of Mrs. the article, My Body, attributed to Mrs. Eddy, she said, remember, it's God's body.
0: Yes. That helps me. Yes, that's a beautiful thing to think about. That's right. And in our responsive reading, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. When we seek God, de yourself. Go to God. Bend my heart in every strait. To the Father, come and wait; He will answer every prayer. God is present everywhere. A beautiful hymn. I often think that when you get in my heart, in every strait, go to the Father and, and wait; He will answer every prayer. So,
6: and so. the final conclusion of all that, if it's done faithfully is, as is said in the last citation of the lesson this week, will be man governed by soul, not by material sense.
0: Thank you, yes. And that is the whole, really, theme and lesson. This is a beautiful lesson. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. <laughs> beautifully, beautifully worked out. So much to it, and yet very different. And it's someone new to the lesson committee. And it just shows when you listen to God, the answers do flow. And there's so much to cover in this. And um, the idea, yes, in Deuteronomy, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, all thy soul, all thy might. Do you? Don't profess to if you don't. There's something called self mesmerism, where you say you're doing all these things and you're not, Mm -hmm. but you think you are. So you have to be very careful. Be very honest. Are you sincerely seeking him with all your heart, mind, and soul? And then the government, yes, of soul versus the material sense. And uh, it was very interesting. I loved what Linda wrote, picking up on Proverbs 15, Linda.
5: I'll just read it. So I, the line quote: He that refuseth instruction despises despiseth his own soul. But he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. End quote. Now, there seems to be so much written about how to love yourself. In my search how to love myself, most of what I came across before coming here did not bring me closer to God or my relationship with Him or an answer of peace. The line above really struck me as an answer. It really is saying, he that accepts instruction loves his own soul. This means to me that a healing spiritual sense of love is connected to living in obedience to God's precepts. I'm learning at Plainfield that any form of pride is my enemy, whether it's a sense of superiority or inferiority. I am grateful for clear teaching here showing that obedience is more than following a set of rules such as the Pharisees managed, but instead, as Paul says, put off the old man. And then in the last line in that proverb 33, it says, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. And that reminded me of where Mrs. Eddy's recorded in saying from the Blue Book, quote, self-depreciation is not humility but the meanest kind of pride because it admits a self apart from god end quote
0: that was the end thank you yeah for some reason i'd always thought of self-deprecation the the words are very similar though so and self-depreciation is um well it is over passage of time things (laughs) but also um that you are Put in, putting, putting
6: yourself.
0: yourself, yeah. So, and and to me, this is very interesting because when I read that, he that refuses instruction despise despiseth his own soul. Now we hear a lot, and I've heard hear a lot in the in the uh, practice about self loathing right that's despising your soul self-loathing this tells you why why are you loathing yourself
5: you're not loving god or mankind you're taking on what you're not yeah and you're,
6: you're 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 believing yourself to be something other than what you are
0: And you're you're refusing instruction. You're refusing to take these truths into your heart. You are. And I can remember feeling that way. And I really didn't know why. But you get thoughts like, well, everyone else will be healed, but I won't. Or all of this negative stuff comes to you. And maybe you're asked to forgive your brother who wronged you badly and love your neighbor as yourself. But somehow you just don't want to do that. Or maybe you're jealous of somebody and you're told, no, thou shalt not covet, but you just don't want to do that. And you keep refusing instruction. And then pretty soon you hate yourself. Right? You hate yourself. You hate your behavior. Self-loathing. So what's the answer? <laughs> and the answer is here. Stop it. And... Um, you know, Jeremy talks about that too. But you, of course, a lot of people don't know better, right? I mean, there was a time you said you.
2: Oh yeah, you know. I, I it's it's a funny thing, self-loathing, because you know you get told that you're you're no good, and then you start to believe it. Oh,
0: <laughs> so. Well, that's true too. You get people telling you,
2: and then you then you don't believe when people say that that that's not true. It becomes a hard thing, so. I remember even when I first came here, the thought of loving our neighbor as ourselves. I thought, well, I'm going to have to love my neighbor, like the way I love my kids, and then I'll work on the myself
1: part,
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that came with time, so.
0: Well, and see, that's it. You grasp something you can do to get yourself out of that hole, some instruction to obey, Yeah. Um, and then, that, that he that heareth the reproof getteth understanding. Just grab onto something you can do and pull yourself out of that hole of self-deprecation or self-depreciation, putting yourself down.
2: Yeah, I definitely don't want to have that pride of <laughs> being self-loathing. That yeah. means kind of pride. That'd be awful. So.
1: Okay. Heavens keep telling me. My father and I are one, and <clears throat> those three statements you mentioned, and um, after a while, I said, if I, you know, if my father and I are one, the qualities that he has are mine, and it made it easier to do right, to, or, and to look to do what the right thing to do was.
0: Thank you. I and my father are one, the father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works, and the father hath not left me alone. You have to accept these truths, accept the instruction, accept it even if you first don't believe it. So you'll, you'll come out of that sense of despising your soul, despising yourself and putting yourself down. And then, you know, it's so so sad to see it with people on, on drugs, drinking, and that, that's why they do it, to, to dull, the, dull that pain. And you don't have to. God, there's a way out.
6: There's a better way to dull the pain. And that is to the, accept the instruction. And I think it's important here to to recognize that it really is not possible for for any of us to love others properly until we see ourselves correctly.
1: Yeah.
6: Until we love ourselves. Not self-love, but love but love the image and likeness of God, which is what we are. Until you see yourself as the image and likeness of God, until you can feel God's love for you, you're not going to be able to love anybody else the same way. If you try, it will be human do-goody, and it will not hit the mark, and it will not heal. That is why when a patient comes to you for help, the thing that will open their heart is the love that you have for them. It's not like winning an argument or having or saying a lot of words, but it's the love that they feel, that the, god, the godly love that they feel, that opens their heart and gets rid of this adamant of error, this self-loathing or self-love or self-whatever that is binding them.
0: Would you want to speak to any of this Luke
7: well I was just thinking that it it's not something you even have to do like directly for that individual person if you're just creating a loving atmosphere in like your your own surroundings then people are drawn to that area like in my in my shop and try to maintain that atmosphere of love all day long and then people just open the door and come in and they're like wow it's so nice in here and they, you kind of see on their face like they don't really understand why it's it's you know such a great atmosphere to be in and, and to work in and hang out and talk and and, they, and when they leave they're like kind of confused like wow that was, that was great how'd that happen you know but it was just like the whole atmosphere has already been prayed up, prayed about before they even walked in. So it's not it's like something directly you have to do for that individual person. Just make sure the atmosphere is clear for them.
6: That's because you have learned to love because you can't help but love.
0: <laughs> because you feel the yeah, love of
6: God. Because you feel the love of God and you can't help but express it.
7: I, all day long, like in the morning when I'm in there and just... Totally praying and thanking God and praising God and, mm-hmm. and and you know listening to music or hymns or something like that and just singing praises to God.
6: And Mrs. Eddie says she loves even the grass under her feet.
0: Mm-hmm. And this is this is what's important for those of you next weekend if you're having people to your home or whenever you have get-togethers. It's it's the love that's there, not the food, not the Martha thought, not the all the fussing and preparation—it's the peace, the love, the Christ that you give, and yes, your food will be love, lovely, because you've will have prepared it with love. But that—it's—it's it's the demonstration of your home or wherever you are, that people are respond to and are healed by.
6: And that is man governed by soul.
0: It is man governed by soul. Yes, and um, so then it says, therefore, hearken and. O oh, Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them, that ye may live. There's a reason that we have these rules and things to live by. It'll make you happy, and you won't hate yourself. You'll find out to love yourself, you'll love God, and you'll love your brother man. And then, um, and it says not to Diminish ought from it you keep it exactly the way it said because we try to fudge around and well i can hate a little bit or i can be jealous a little while or i can grounce for a while or i can be depressed for a while you you can't you can't you've got to live up to the commandment you'll be much happier for it and that's really what when when uh florence read the prayer be anxious for nothing don't worry about anything trust god just do what Luann just said. Praise God. Seek Him diligently. That's what it says. Keep thy soul diligently. And in in science and health, to go along with that, it says spiritual devout devoutness is the soul of Christianity. And devoutness, solemn and rever, reverential attention to God. Lawrence, did you want to say something?
4: Well, I think here comes a reverence again, you know, what does God mean to me? I mean, we talk about God, 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 but in individual pondering of what really God means to me, uh you know we get our own answers there and correct if we should. Sometimes I hear whether well, I don't feel God well, obey it first, that He loves you, obey just obey that first, and yes. sooner or later you will feel. Yeah,
0: thank you. You have to start out with that faith, and then it says, um, If you seek him, ye shall find him. If you seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul, and then soul becomes your master, not material sense. But I think I, I've told you that time years ago, I heard a sermon and it was on this statement. And I hear I'd been in science all this time. I'd been in our church. I'd been, you know, Mrs. Evans had been my practitioner. And I don't think I ever thought about, have I really sought him? I mean, I guess I thought I had plunged in doing it. But had I really sought him with all my heart, mind, and soul? And I don't really think I had. It still was very superficial. It took me all all those many years to get down to brass tacks.
6: Well, and... You know, if we don't seek God with all our heart and soul, we're going to seek something else. Whatever that something else is, you know, we'll seek the approval of other people. We'll seek, you know, so-called material pleasures or successes. But as as Florence said, reverence, what does God mean to me? What does life mean to me? Am I grateful to God for life? What does truth mean to me? Am I constantly seeking the truth, or am I willing to hide it? Or let someone sweep it under the rug, because sometimes truth is unpleasant? No. Do I always seek love? What does love mean to me? Do I recognize love as a mighty spiritual force, as Mrs. Eddy calls it? These are impo- These are life-changing, you know, changes in thought that make all the difference to us. Anyway.
0: And the lesson speaks a lot about the leaven, which is a very interesting topic. Um, and in 2017, well, the Elizabeth and Mike from New York wrote about it on our forum which i would saved it. I had um, Jeremy look it up for me again, but I just want to share it because it brings out the, about the leaven, beware of the leaven. This was what Elizabeth wrote. And when his disciples, this is a quote from Matthew, were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said unto them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And then she looked up leaven in the, 1828 Dictionary, anything which makes a general change in the mass, it generally means something which corrupts or depraves that which is, it is mixed. And then the idea is that leaven passes secretly and silently through the mass of dough. You all know it's used in making bread. So then it says Jesus was instructing his disciples to be on guard when hearing the doctrines of the Pharisees and Sadducees who espoused the inventions, traditions of men and lacked the spiritual sense of the scriptures. He compares their doctrine to leaven because they sought secretly to, quote, infuse their notions into the minds of men and which when imbibed, spread their infection. And made men sour, morose, rigid, and ill-natured, and swelled and puffed them up with pride and vanity." End quote. And that's Gill's exposition of the Bible. He advises his disciples to look about them, to watch, lest they should be infected with them. What a great lesson to be watchful of the pervasive and secret workings of animal magnetism. The disciples at first did not understand his meaning. I thought that was a really good definition of that type of leaven. And that one we have to be careful of. That's why when you're going to um, weddings, graduations, funerals, all of these human type things, you have to have your armor on as a Christian scientist. You have to be radiating because that leaven is working to Get you discontent in some way, or maybe comparing yourself to others, or what, whatever. Um,
6: to fill you with either sorrow or pride,
0: mm-hmm.
6: or you know, some strong human emotion that takes you away from God instead of closer to God.
1: That's why the Peter that they were dead ceremonies, yes, because there is something wrong and deadly about them. Thank you. Draw you- down into a uh, super or, or give up your home rights
0: thank you very much yes they do unless you're alert to it and i don't know how many i certainly wasn't alert to it i used to wonder why i could go to some of these events and come home and be as depressed as i could possibly be <laughs> i supposed to be a happy joyous occasion um and maybe sometimes i was i don't i don't know but most of the time i don't think i was um so you you have your armor on all the time, because it's it's in the air, and it tries to work very stealthily and get you unawares. So then Mike from New York wrote, Thank you for this post, and thankfully Christ Jesus gives the antidote in Luke 13. And again, he said, Whereunto shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. And then... Mary Baker Eddy explains this in Science and Health. On page 117, Jesus bade his disciples beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees, which he defined as human doctrines. His parable of the leaven, which a woman took and hid in the three measures of meal till the whole was leavened, impels the inference that the spiritual leaven signifies the science of Christ and its spiritual interpretation. An inference far above the mere, merely ecclesiastical and formal applications of the illustration. And then on page 118, in their spiritual significance, science, theology, and medicine are means of divine thought, which includes spiritual laws emanating from the invisible and infinite power and grace. The power of... The parable may import that these spiritual laws, perverted by a perverse material sense of law, are metaphysically presented as three measures of meal, that is, three modes of mortal thought. In all mortal forms of thought, dust is dignified as the natural status of man, and things and modes of material motion are honored with the names of law. This continues until the leaven of spirit changes the whole of mortal thought, as yeast changes the chemical properties of meal. Now, this is why, what chapter in Science and Health is this referring to? Science, and Medicine. Thank you very much. <laughs> Which I've been listening to this week, and Florence does a beautiful job in reading it. This is the meal, the the leaven at work that Mrs. Eddy uses in science and health. And we must know it's working silently, doing its work on those three areas. What are they, Florence? Science, theology, medicine. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. And it's a wonderful chapter and we should all know of it and be aware of why it's there.
6: And Mrs. Eddy refers to the leaven of truth, right? Yes.
0: Yeah.
6: Right. So, so, so we've got leaven used. You know, in in the, there's good leaven and bad leaven, isn't there? <laughs> there's the leaven of the Sadducees and the Pharisees, which is false human doctrine. We don't want to let that creep into our consciousness and change our consciousness because Jesus where was Jesus consciousness? He, he was a hundred percent right there with God, totally spiritual. So to him this leaven of human, of false human belief was a perversion. it was a corruption
0: and it was obnoxious to him. And so it should be to us when we were in that divine mind, when that human sense of things approaches us, we should be very much aware of it. And we should be ready to rebuke it in whatever way God directs you to.
4: I think it's also essential, this chapter, because he he talks about the scientific translation also. First degree, second degree, third degree, they're
0: all very helpful, I feel. Are, it's a chapter rich, rich in knowledge and understanding. You know, I, I'm finding, I just take a chapter of science and health we, to read it and study it every day we are to do it. And I sometimes I read it and then I listen or I listen and then I read and I have a new, cause my old textbook is so written up. I have a new textbook I'm writing all over this one. <laughs> and what did you tell me Nancy about your study of science, the book? Um, I've, I've done as we've been instructed and read Every day I read science and health, but all of a sudden, things that I've read several times before, they just have a new meaning to me. I'm, I'm understanding better. And so it is. So it unfolds. And she, she says she looks forward to mm-hmm. that time. Mm-hmm. You know, and I do too. I try to make sure I have that time later in my day after I've done all my other studying in the morning and after I've done... Oh, all my chores, (laughs) or whatever, and then to have that time with science and health, communing. It's wonderful. And then I'd ask um, Jeremy to look up things on Levin, and he found, actually I wanted him to find those quotes from Elizabeth and Mike, he found this, though, from Precepts, that it was a great marvel that Mrs. Eddie was able to execute wisdom in spite of resistance of the carnal mind and get it into the bloodstream of the cause, and thus into the nation and the world. For all time, her teaching will go forth in ever-increasing volume, leavening the whole lump and changing the thoughts of humanity. It was a miracle for Mrs. Eddy to be able to take what God revealed to her and to put it forth in such a way that wise, educated, intelligent men and women would accept it, believe it, Recognize it as the truth from God and then demonstrate it. Yes. This is what we need to be envisioning to see this is happening in our in our in ourselves and in our world. Joanne wrote to it the golden text about the leaven of truth. She here yes. isn't yeah, Joe, you want to speak to that?
3: Oh I, I'm sorry, Mary, I don't have it with me. <laughs>
0: Okay, well, she just was applying it to herself, the leaven of truth working. So it works in ourselves, yes, in our in our nation, in our world, in our universe. Then Jeremy also found I can you know, read all of it, but it was a watching point. The whole watching point was about to all three measures of meal, and it was watching point 166. And he says that they might represent our understanding of God, of man and the universe. And then he takes up each one. So it's a wonderful thing to think about um, and to realize it's happening. And we do see it happening. We see consciousness being raised in all those ways. Theology, medicine, science. It is. And citation five is very comforting to me. A little leaven, leaven the whole of, a little understanding of Christian science proves the truth of all that I say of it. Thank you. Absolutely. Yes. A little bit leavens a whole lump. And Carrie sent me all this information about baking bread and how it works and how, <laughs> how you take the, the leaven, you pass it on to, to another loaf, you pass it on to your daughter, you pass it on. All that leaven keeps working. And people, uh, it's interesting, I, if any of there are any bread bakers around here. <laughs> Carrie's mother used to break, bake bread. And you would see you put a little bit of that in and this Damn. bread would just swell up. It's wonderful to see that. So, so here we have, with our spiritual devoutness, our our wonderful desire to know God with our whole heart, mind, and soul, and then to watch this leaven of truth raise consciousness. And one thing that I found very interesting Um I love, and I use it often and maybe you all do too, but, but to know that man is a humble servant of the restful mind. Whenever I'm feeling like I'm too revved up, I've got to remember that. Just the humble servant of the restful mind. And then I've quoted this before too, but number nine. Um, Carol, you want to read just the first part of number nine in science and health? Christian scientists must live under the constant pressure of the apostolic command to come out from the material world and be separate. Thank you. Constant pressure to come out from the material world. To me, this this relates directly to a rule for motives and acts. Let's see. Craig, will you read that? <clears throat> you have it? Yes.
1: Neither animosity nor mere personal attachment should impel the motives or acts of the members of the Mother Church. In science, divine love alone governs man, and a Christian scientist reflects the sweet amenities of love in rebuking sin and true brotherliness charitableness, and forgiveness. Members of this church should daily watch and pray to be delivered from all evil, from prophesying, judging, condemning, counseling, influencing, or being influenced erroneously. Thank you.
0: I, I have found when I'm feeling pressure because i've been trying to please people i am pressured by the world to please people so i take on my list of things to do i add all of this stuff (laughs) that god isn't telling me to do this is what this is saying and if you understand this you can avoid high blood pressure pressure headaches migraines other things that's what it comes from you've taken on too much You need to step out from the material world and be separate. You need to be obeying God because I say, I speak for myself. I have found when I do this and I begin to say no and not try to please people, but please God, my schedule adjusts and I'm no longer pressured. It's the only time Mrs. Eddie mentions pressure once and it goes with the, um, scientific statement, of, excuse me, the rule for motives and acts, <laughs> because um, animosity or mere personal attachment. Sometimes you do things out of animosity and you feel pressured by that. All of it is is ungodly. Personal attachment. You, you think you have to do things because it's a family member or a friend or something and you pressure yourself. It's not God. So if you are having difficulty with those one of those problems, or anything else involving pressure, think about this. That's what's so amazing in Science and Health in the Bible. There's the answer for it all. If you think about it, it's there. The cure, the cure, the cure, the cure in working for God. All right. Go ahead, please.
4: I think in those moments, you—if you just say, "Well, Father, Thy will be done," and, you know, so, somehow, always, His will is done,
0: and it's all fine. It is. Thank you.
4: Yeah, and you—and you,
6: and it's a matter, of, really, of stop being influenced erroneously. Yeah. Isn't it? Yes. There's one legitimate influence. That is the one divine mind that knows everything, that creates everything, that governs everything. And if you put yourself in rapport with that mind, you're going to be just fine.
0: All right, and Jeremy, what you wrote, I thought it was interesting what you wrote about prophecy. You don't have to read it, but just... Oh, okay.
2: Well, yeah, that despise not prophesying is, I feel like this week it, that really jumped out at me because of the ones around it I've paid attention to more before. And just, you know, the definition of despise is, you know, to contemn, to, to scorn, to disdain, to have the lowest opinion of, to abhor. Mm-hmm. And it got me thinking about all that's been discussed here about Mrs. Eddie's place in prophecy as the woman in the apocalypse and how you know a lot of people don't believe that and the boston movement is just going downhill because of that so it's
0: (laughs) that was an interesting point (laughs) despising the prophecy we mustn't she is and 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 she has said that that will help raise us all up certainly Makes makes all the difference understanding that She's not just some little nice lady that wrote a little nice book. She knew she didn't write the book. It was God writing it. And if we treat it with reverence, yes, reverentially, we will have the results, the fruitage of that.
2: And and, and being here and learning this and, and, you know, believing it and applying it has had obvious, it obviously, you know, lifts me up as I go about my work. So it's it's very easy to see that you should be doing it. Yes. <laughs> so.
0: Yes, and it puts great importance and emphasis on our work and what we're doing. It's not just some little thing we're doing. It's very important. If you think it's just some little thing we're doing, then you're not gonna do it and you're not gonna do it well.
6: And you're not gonna see why it's important to do and you you'll you'll miss you'll miss so much. You'll miss so much. And what a shame.
4: I think Keystone's article on the Carousel
0: is helpful, too. Very helpful. It, is, it goes into it. He explains it. Paul Smiley explains it. Liz Knapp explains it. A lot of the great workers understand this point, and it's well to be familiar with that. And then I did want to get into what Parthen said, because that was a very important point, too. He's taking from Micah. It's a different, different aspect of Micah. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. One way of obeying this reminder from the prophet Micah is showing mercy to oneself by refusing to nurse toxic emotions against a person or a group, real or imagined, that has committed some kind of trespass or transgression. Cherishing resentment toward anyone who has supposedly offended me is giving power to the offender, which is breaking the first commandment because all power belongs to God and God alone, the only power. As God's creation, I am, I am to have audience with spirit, not to waste one moment in audience with the serpent of unforgiveness. Every moment spent indulging in unforgiveness is a moment lost forever. Far from showing mercy to oneself, harboring unforgiveness is a particularly burdensome species of self-sabotage as it quickly becomes toxic to the unforgiver. Taking offense personally happens on the plane of personality, not soul. Soul remains forever untouchable and untouched when sinned against. Soul is naturally immune to offense. Sin is a boomerang, the effects of which return to the sinner. Forgiveness of one's offender mitigates, just makes less severe, the evil effects of the offense that would otherwise redound to the offender. Thus sets the offender free opening up the path to repentance. And then the life of Joseph presents an excellent thought-feeling response model in the face of bullying and ill-treatment. Joseph had plenty of evidence to self-identify as a victim, but refused to give any of it the slightest attention. In so doing, justly to himself and showing mercy to himself, as the prophet Micah instructs, he was able to fulfill a magnificent destiny. And then he gives another example on a YouTube woman, who chose not to take things personally, but to bless those who did persecute her. Then he quotes William Blake, great things are done when men in mountains meet, this is not done by jostling in the street. and then he more recently put another another um something else up where he just said that while Joseph was in Pharaoh's house he never badmouthed his brothers never once all those years he could have and so when his brothers returned and the healing took place it was able to operate and the and the um pharaoh welcomed them if he had badmouthed them the well, pharaoh would say what the heck what are you doing this for okay but because he never had, because he truly had forgiven him in his heart, it all worked together for good. You know, we burn our bridges when we do that, when we hate and badmouth others, rather than that healing take place. And
4: in impersonalizing all this, I think uh, Kimball puts it a certain way, which is cute. He says, don't give error a person.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yes.
6: Don't give it any reality whatsoever. Yes. Don't attach it to anyone or anything.
0: Mm-hmm. And it, Mrs. Eddie says, "Era is what it's neither what
4: person, place, or thing. So why are we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. So. Yes. So you know, I mentioned this at the at our membership meeting too. But all the work that we do here, this is to make not just converts. This is to make disciples of you all. So you're working, you're living this truth. There was much more to go over, but the bell has rung. And in looking for things on Leaven, um, Jeremy found the most wonderful thing about cure for epidemics from a very old sentinel, March 1899, which we will have in the next Liberator. But... Gary is going to read it now. It's a treatment. It's wonderful.
6: Yeah. And this was a reprint from the Weatherford, Texas news.
0: Yes. <laughs> Believe
6: it or not. It
0: was a news article.
6: In the 1899 Sentinel. Cure for epidemics. One. Stop talking and thinking about contagious diseases. Two. On arising in the morning, repeat the Lord's prayer in the spirit of holiness. Three. Three. As soon as breakfast is over, before taking up your duties of the day, take your Bible and carefully read the 91st Psalm, knowing that God that God is and that he is a mighty rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You might linger over the lines of this beautiful psalm, quote, "He that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty." Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. You will observe that David said, His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Evidently, David had more faith in God's protecting power than he had in vaccine, virus, and poisonous lotions. Four, when conversation or thoughts about disease and contagion come to you during the day, think over the inspiring words you read in the morning. Mm -hmm. Five, in the evening, read the 23rd Psalm, reread the 91st Psalm, repeat the Lord's prayer and take care above all to observe the first of the 10 commandments thou shalt have no other gods before me. If you observe this commandment in spirit and in truth, you will not let disease of any name or nature become the chief in your thought and conversation. It is but just to state that we got the inspiration for this prevention and cure of disease from the writings and teachings of Reverend Mary Baker G. Eddy, discoverer and founder of Christian science, and have found this mode of treatment of infinite value in whatever case it has been applied. It has been asked what Christian scientists will do in a time of contagion. This is what one Christian scientist has done to direct the thoughts of the people into higher and healthier channels. If there is anything pernicious in this advice, we hope it will be pointed out to us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? And this goes back to our watching point where we, we mingle with God. We stay demesmerized. We don't think about the body. We think about God and how wonderful is that. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you.
4: Thank you.